Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Bud, got an awful lot to get to for it to be the second week of July. That's not sarcasm either. We've got uh, we've got a full show. Look forward to jumping into it. A little bit of uh, everything this week. want to always give a tip of the hat to our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce is uh, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, I'm uh, always sitting here staying in y'all's ears about how frequently I use it, and uh, man, I have only only kicked it up the last week or so. Went on a little trip, putting it on cheese grits, fried chicken, all kinds of stuff. It's been fantastic. Ever so fortunate to work with people like that in a product that uh, the two of us authentically enjoy, and thank you to all of you who uh, have just done an incredible job of of working that into your your routine and supporting us, whether it be on social media or mention them in uh, emails or whatever else. Been a great sponsor. They've been fantastic for us. And want to, as always, thank our friends at Louisiana as we uh, jump into this full show. New Iberia, new show. Let's do it. Uh, We have a lot of new business to get to tonight. And uh, I don't really have a specific order. These are just kind of newsworthy things that have come up. And and we're going to kind of just have note and comment here. On these, uh, starting with Paul Feinbaum. This will be quick because I don't really give a damn what Paul Feinbaum says, but judging by our email, a lot of y'all do. Uh, Paul Feinbaum said that Florida State is not a destination job. Do you care? Do you have any comment about that? Should we move on? Do you want to talk a little bit about this quickly? What do you want to do on this? Uh, Yeah, I I know I don't care about Paul Feinbaum. Uh, He's he's back before he had an audience outside of – Mobile or Birmingham. I remember he was real fond of attacking Bobby Bowden. Uh, this is in the mid to late nineties. Uh, got in and was particularly critical of Hank Aaron at some point about some ridiculousness. Uh, just a guy that, it, first of all, is is an SEC guy who's uh, carries the water certainly. And um, from a and this is a little bit of behind the scenes stuff from a radio standpoint, but uh, really hard to respect a guy whose show is nothing but callers. Uh, this is no, I'm not attacking people that call in sports talk radio or anything like that, but there's a reason why the better shows that are out there don't rely on callers. Callers frequently are indicative of a, of a host that did not do any show prep and doesn't particularly have anything to talk about. And uh, Feinbaum, I give him credit. He's an immense success. But his show is basically a radio show. How can I say this? It's basically a message board that uh, is is played out over the course of terrestrial airwaves. And uh, I'm not too concerned what he says. Florida State's probably one of the uh, six to eight best jobs in all of college football. And uh, uh, old, old Feinbaum's not going to change that anytime soon. I did not know about the Hank Aaron uh, Paul Feinbaum spat. If there really wasn't even a spat, I, I googled it. Uh, Feinbaum wrote that Hank Aaron had a pretty cushy life, uh, and baseball has made up for its mo- momentary snub. Uh, and and fans have made their attitudes back tens of millions of times over uh, for Hank Aaron. And he was basically bashing Aaron because Aaron did not want to go see uh, roided up Barry Bonds break his home run record. So. Yeah, cushy, yeah, cushy look. life breaking Babe Ruth's record in the Deep South. I can, I can promise you. Uh, so, I mean, did okay? Maybe the exact circumstances that Willie took over were not a destination. I think we can all agree on that. However, it's still a destination job. There's no doubt. I, I say we just move on from from the uh, from cue ball. Uh, I'll let you take the next subject matter, which is ESPN FPI. 
Okay, FPI, which is a formula much like Bill Connolly's S&P or Brian Fermo's uh, FEI, uh, or any number of power ratings out there. FPI has actually gotten a lot better in recent years. Uh, they, they've, ESPN's dumped a lot of money into this analytics stuff, and they're, they're getting a lot better on it. I actually incorporate it into my gambling formula uh, with a certain weighting, which I will not review or reveal here. But uh, um, 247 had an article this week. They had a bunch of them, actually. I think they hired this guy. I'm guessing to aggregate all of the FPI things and turn them into articles. And uh, I, I clicked on the dude's name to find his author history and he had uh, a lot of these. And uh, and I read it and this is not like a Knowles 247 thing. It's just one of the 247, you know, kind of like their .com uh, writers who goes and puts articles on sites. And he took the FPI uh, things and, and basically said like ESPN's projection is that Florida State will go 10 and 2. I was like, what? That's surprising. Because uh, on the actual page, if you click it, it says that they're going to go eight and four. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity for us on the show to talk about how you actually calculate win projections. And what you should not do is, like they did in the article, if you have a 56% win expectancy against a team, that really should not go down as one and oh, right? <laughs> it should go down as 0. 0.56 versus 0.44. Uh, to the good and the bad, respectively. Yeah. Uh, so we got a lot of emails about this too, about how look, hey, look, FBI said uh, said FSU is going to go ten and two, and and that that's a pretty respected algorithm. Look, if the FBI literally said that, I would probably go back and and look at some of my research because I, I do have some respect for that. But uh, certainly possible, but that's not actually what it says. It, it does say eight and four, and you have to total up the uh, the aggregate win probabilities to actually reach that result. Just kind of a little funny deal there uh, to open. I think we probably should just move on to the next one, too. So this something is teased in the last show. Yeah, this is something that we've talked about over the past, uh, kind of hitting, hitting uh, periodically over the past couple of months. But uh, Florida State's official visit strategy uh, becoming more clear, and it's, uh, it's one that they really kind of want to slow play. And this is not totally new uh this is kind of traditionally how florida state has done it but um anytime you're coming off a season like last year with a record that you had and your recruiting has become so vital in in both uh restocking the locker room with talent and also the type of individuals that you want to build your program uh i think we're gonna focus on on pretty much anything but the Official uh, that excuse me the official visit strategy of the uh, Taggart administration has become pretty clear and it's uh, one that you won't be seeing too many summer uh, officials. Yeah, they they really do prefer to have their official visits go in the fall and, and even in, you know kind of into the winter. Uh, this is a strategy that that has some some pluses and, and some negatives, right? Uh, from their perspective, that they just went five and seven and they have the worst APR in the nation. They're getting their butts negatively recruited right now. You could take a kid in here on a summer official visit and really impress him and then maybe hold on to his commitment. However, I think right now their thought, and I don't necessarily disagree with this. I I think I could agree and and I could disagree, but their thought is if a kid has legitimate interest in us, he's going to come visit us on his own dime first. By the way, a school named Clemson has about the same policy, right? Clemson generally does not want you to come on an official visit if you have not at least been on an unofficial visit to campus. Florida State is banking 
on the idea that it's going to have a better season than last year, which I think most of us would also bank on. To the extent that it will be improved is probably up for debate. However, I don't see a huge problem necessarily, in theory, with having the kids come on unofficials in the summer, especially if they're not going to decide over the summer, and then follow up with official visits in the fall. Where this gets a little bit tricky is you could also flip this and say, okay, well, wait a second. If you think you're going to have this good season in the fall, why not let a kid take an official visit in the summer and then keep that relationship up and keep impressing him in the fall by having your good season? Now, what they're probably going to say is, hey, we really hit official visits out of the park, and they do, even after the bad year last year. With all the, all the reports we got back on official visits were very good. You know, some of the unofficial visit reports we had were not quite as good, but the officials, they really do do, do a nice job. They want to be able to, to, to show those kids the game day atmosphere and even after the season, show those kids that really fun atmosphere where, where they got a bunch of guys on campus, they got the class all together, they're going to play paintball, they're having fun with the parents, they're, they're, they're really kind of preaching that family atmosphere. That's much harder to do over the summer. So so I understand uh, there, I if it was me, I would probably be a little bit more flexible than they're being right now. But but I after asking around, I do understand where they're coming from, even if I don't completely agree with it. Part of this too will be, look, you know, can they flip kids down the stretch, right? That's going to have to be a big part because some of these kids are going to commit over the summer, you know, like, like, like a Jalen Knighton. If he commits, but he still wants to take his officials, you know, afterwards, which I assume he's going to do. Uh, what are their what are their chances going to be of flipping him if he doesn't commit to Florida State, which they still think they have a good shot at him, by the way. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out here in a couple weeks. But uh, the other thing is, you know, last year we were very skeptical of their recruiting strategy around this time because they didn't get a lot of good visitors in in June. And they said, well, we're, we're focused on July, right? Like that's the destination. We want everybody to be in for our Saturday Night Lights camp. Now, I think they should make a little bit better use of their June camps. I've said that before. But they did prove me wrong last year in this regard, and that they did end up hitting a huge home run on Saturday Night Live, getting those kids in to visit, making sure they all got on campus, and really preaching that as a destination afternoon. So uh, I'll have more opinion on this, I think, in about a month you know, or, or, or three weeks from now when we get the chance to see who they bring in for SNL. Ready to ready to talk some hot seat here, bud. Hot seat rankings, man. Let's do hot this. Let's seat talk a little, rankings. Little hot seat. All right. Old, hot seat. Old CBS chimed in recently with some hot. Who do we seat. have from CBS? Is is this, uh, is this Dennis Dodd or is this uh, who's the guy that left for the Indy Star? Um, uh, the author of this piece is is Dodd. It is. Oh, uh, Greg Doyle what was the other oh, guy yeah, I was Greg, about. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking uh, about. But, yeah, Dennis Dodd is, is, is the author of this piece. So what, what does old Dennis have to say here? Okay, so um, I've got to say that he's he's got a uh, he's got an interesting little, like, table breakdown of uh, zero to five. Zero being untouchable, one being safe and secure, two, all good, dot, 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 for now, Three, pressure is mounting. Four, start improving now. Five, win or be fired. Ooh, okay. And what what score did, did Willie Taggart get? I believe Willie Taggart was a four, which is worth noting that 
only six coaches received that ranking, and only three received a win or be fired. So certainly the vast majority of the coaches in America, at least according to Doyle, rests between the one and two category. Can I note something here that, that these categories are like real nebulous? Start winning now? <laughs> yeah, like it would be a really good idea to, to start winning now. Be, yeah, that would be that would be good. Advantageous uh, for alternative would not every be good. coach out there to follow that strategy. Yeah. Like like win or be fired is the most direct of these other than untouchable. And yet it's still like there's no direct like, hey, win this amount, right? You know, win three more games than you did last year, whatever. I, I will say this. I so I, I watched some of this. I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I think he is the second hottest of <laughs> – I think he is the second hottest of the start improving now. I, so he, he is closer to Category 5 than uh, all but four of those that otherwise lie in the start improving now. Gotcha. They yeah. also uh, – uh, I like how they use his picture on it with Clay Helton, even though Clay Helton is the one who is, has the five, which I don't disagree with necessarily. Uh, Lovey Smith, Chris Ash, Bob Davey, uh, Clay. Uh, oh no, Clay Helton's only a four. What? Clay Helton's in like year what five at USC? Um, okay, are there any other coaches who are who are in year two who received the four? I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, I think Taggart's the only one. Brennan um, is he? Uh, or Brennan's coached two years, going into year three. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, Sonny so, Dykes. Never mind. Never mind. No, you're right. I mean, this is pretty. Uh, I, I'm watching this video on CBS's website, though, and, and and my friend Chip Patterson. This looks like a very nice studio they have. It's very surprising they don't have Google. Right? There's been a lot of stuff there that that uh, that Dodd could have. Uh, could have Googled to see that Willie's not nowhere close to being on the hot seat, right? Like, I'm kind of more confident than ever that he's going to get probably four years due to the financial thing. You know, everybody's like, oh, well, if they don't start winning, they're not going to sell enough tickets. I'm like, yeah, guess what? The drop-off in tickets is not going to be be greater than the cost of the buyout. It's just not. You think you think they sell seventeen million dollars in tickets as a or you think they lose seventeen million dollars in ticket revenue as opposed to paying a buyout? Absolutely not. He's going to get at least three years and probably four guaranteed, unless something really weird happens. Yeah, I, I think anything with Willie Taggart needs to be measured more as a uh, fan discontent uh, calculator than it is based off the security of his job. Uh, I I don't disagree that there's a large portion of this fan base that is uh is frustrated and and uh, a large portion of this fan base that's kind of uh going to actively use this year as a as deciding whether or not they have uh an, an emotional investment worth placing with this coach but as far as job security yeah no you just nailed it this is three years at a minimum four years more likely than anything else so and, and also, I, what, I, what in the heck is i know people sorry, talk about florida state like oh well what if what if they get a big gift man 20 million dollar gifts for this institution are exceptionally rare and they don't go towards firing the head coach it's just, just not going to happen i mean one of our emailers might be who knows you know, like like maybe they maybe they're like like a Bitcoin uh, um, original investor. I do think the last line here is telling of the lack of research that that he put into this. Right, 
Athletic director David Coburn is saying all the right things, but the pressure will be on him too if the no if the Knowles go bowless again. Well, <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, number one, yes, if they go bowless again, which would be a losing record. Sure, uh, that line to me would seem like a guy that would belong in like category three, not category four. Also, do you think there's pressure on David Coburn? Uh, I think there is like zero, zero pressure on David Coburn. None. Like, do you think he's going to be here much? After John Thrasher leaves? I think the timeline that we laid out a couple months ago is uh, still the timeline for for Coburn. And that's somewhere so, between 18 and maybe 30 months tops. So this is kind of a, a guy taking like a, too much of a 10,000-foot view and not really digging in and, and figuring out exactly the, the hot seat thing. I, I've had to write these hot seat columns before, full disclosure for, for SB Nation. And it always leaves me a little bit uneasy, which is why you got to hedge the heck out of these, you know. Um, and putting a rating system on it is is even tougher. By the way, Tony Sanchez at UNLV, like they lost their best player last year. They actually started out really well, and then their quarterback, who's a stud, by the way, uh, he went down, and they started losing games by four or five touchdowns. It's like, yeah, well, guess what? Like he's your stud. If he goes down, they might lose a couple ball games. He's a local guy from from Gorman. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Some of these are, are kind of no brainers. Like Mike New, Ball State. Okay, whatever. Uh, Randy Etzel. Yeah, UConn's defense did give up the most points in the history of college football by a hundred. <laughs> like they were a hundred points worse on defense than the next worst defense in the history of college yeah, football. Yeah, remarkable. That's I, I honestly going to be hard to break, by the way. Yeah, I, it will be very hard to break. And I had no idea that Bob Davey was even still coaching. That's uh, and he has like a million like like little mini scandals there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Interesting um, times. Uh, hey, have you checked in on Florida's 2019 recruiting class lately? Oh, it's uh, <laughs> not that. Not that we're necessarily in a place to throw too many stones, but uh, stones will be thrown here. It's uh, it's mighty impressive, mighty impressive in its ability to to uh, not really gain a lot of traction and then kind of shed those that which they thought they were going to sign. You, you ever heard the phrase uh, "pump and dump"? Oh, uh, as someone whose father has uh, worked in finance, I'm very familiar. Yes. What do you think the chances that that Florida's class? Was a pump and dump. <laughs> oh, who's who's left holding the bag at the end of the uh, proverbial uh, situation that you're lying out, uh, laying out here? Subscribers, right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, then that's I, I, I guess shame on me for not uh, picking up that immediately. But yeah, yeah. There's certainly some uh, some optimism pumped into the veins that those will occasionally pay a monthly subscription fee. So. Um, they already had one kid, or I think a couple kids now, actually uh, uh, transfer out, right? And then Dwan Black, their top-rated player, um, doesn't make it in. And Diave Hammond, a guy who I remember we actually explicitly told our listeners, Florida State is not pursuing him, despite the fact he was a four-star rated offensive lineman. And for, full disclosure here, Florida State did not tell me exactly why. I could kind of read between the lines because they're desperate for offensive linemen, and yet they don't even bring him in on an, on an official visit. Well, looks like he's going to junior college as well. Um, 
They still have a couple guys who they're waiting to get in potentially. I, I, I imagine the other guys will get in, but that's like two of their highest rated players now who are not in, and they already have a couple major major transfers. Oh, uh, Chris Steele, if you yeah. recall. Remember yeah, Chris we've, Steele? We, we talked about this. Documented the Steele situation. Yeah, um, Ponzi scheme of a recruiting class. I think that's uh, something that we may look back and label label it as such. You know, I, I, as far as I know, Florida State's getting everybody in on theirs. So and haven't had too many immediately leave. And no. make major character accusations of those of, to which they were forced to live with. So I, I don't know if Willie is going to turn this thing around into something incredible. Right? The, the start that he got off to makes makes it more difficult. I'm pretty damn confident he's going to leave this place better than he found now that we know exactly how bad it was, it, you, know, you may say, well, well, that's not that hard. But I, I do think within his first contract, he will have this place with a lot better talent floor. He's taken far fewer you know, projects, right? Far fewer risks. Now he does need to do a better job getting the elite level talent in. And as far as I can tell, his kids are going to class and actually you know, getting grades. Which are good things if you you know because you got to do that for uh, for college uh, football. Even though we know how much college football is kind of a sham, but it, you got to play by the rules while they exist. Uh, social media position is open, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. You seen that? Are you gonna so, apply? So I was gonna say, as someone who spent the last week uh, brushing up his resume, which is not a fun process at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. We'll see. Uh, so, hopefully, it's a step in the right direction. I, I would uh, hope that look, everything's uh, you know. Uh, proverbial beans when it comes to accounting are all being counted right now and there's not a ton of money out there but i I would hope that florida state uh does a better job in in who they hire uh maybe a little bit more qualified to take on the the challenge that is managing uh florida state social media and uh, i wish the person that held the position on all the best previously but i i think everybody's in a uh much better situation moving forward with uh, with new blood coming into the organization. Yeah, exactly. There's sort of being qualified to have the position and then also having a certain professionalism uh, appropriate for whatever job you have. And, and both elements are important. And I think it's arguable that uh, at both elements prior were lacking. And we, we talked about that at the time. Now, there were some good things done too. There's no reason that the new person can't continue to do some of those good things while also combining uh, just common sense professionalism and, uh, and common courtesy within their within their approach. So I, I'm hoping Florida State can find somebody good. They could probably just randomly throw darts at, at, at Twitter users and do better. My guess. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. I hope it's a. I hope it's an improvement. So. Um, all right, so the next thing that we want to touch on here, this will be uh, this will be hopefully a little bit fun. We're going to try something different here. Uh, I'm going to play some raw audio for you, the listener. Uh, this is Carlos Williams, and this was tweeted to us a lot and uh, a decent amount of discussion, um, I guess four or five days ago about it. Uh, we'll give you about 45 seconds of audio. This is from 104.3 ESPN Radio. Panama City. I want to give them credit for uh, the audio that we're going to use and uh, let you guys listen to it and we'll come back and give our thoughts, opinions, and whether or not uh, Williams' recollection of the events are accurate. 
had that fake punt, and it just blew everybody around when Jimbo Fisher called that fake punt. My question to you is, um, did you think it was going to go as good as it did? Mm. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you guys for having me. Um, it, it is amazing. This is an amazing opportunity. Uh, you know, I haven't had uh, too much um too many people come up could be able to talk to about you know me coming back my process college days and and such is only my second interview but I really thank you guys out there um, in Panama for giving me the opportunity but um, to answer your question mm-hmm. I mean that the call was crazy um, I don't think Coach Fisher knew what he actually called um, usually when Coach Fisher tells us uh, to go punt the ball he kind of does like the little kick uh, kick sound with his fingers and the ball goes away and Coach Kelly calls it and we go execute but uh, Coach Kelly actually called Rocket something that we had been working on uh, we knew Auburn had a lot of outside speed, a lot of pressure. Right. Um, but they liked to hold up because they had a great um, returner in Quan Bray. Um, he had actually did some quite a bit of damage, him and Chris Davis, in the return game for Auburn during that season. So right. uh, they wanted to hold us up at the line of scrimmage, kind of give them guys some lanes to run through. And uh, we knew we could take advantage of it. Their backs would be turned. Um, me, Telvin, and Dan Hicks kind of executed it with the, the leadership roles there with the switch of the formations and, and the soft toss by Dan. But uh, when the ball snapped, you can hear Coach Fisher screaming no, 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 no. And I finally took the corner, you can see him screaming yes, 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 yes. And uh, a lot of people think that was a big turn important in the game. Okay, so again, want to give credit to 104.3 ESPN Radio Panama City. And um, Bud, did you know it was going to go as good as... <laughs> Sorry, I'm being a little bit of an Also, an I was there. impressed by the uh, Knowles with, coverage in with, Panama. Panama City is, is uh, Yeah, in Panama. Thank you for having me down there. But uh, so, okay. Do we think that there's... That Jimbo Fisher did not explicitly call that play? I I think there's less than one percent chance. Yeah, I think there's. Can I? How, I don't know how I can go less than you, but but I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, <laughs> this is a good opportunity to perhaps explain how these things work in an actual game, then, right? Like if we can, and, and, I don't and, and I'm Carlos not calling Carlos wrong, a liar here right? either. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that. Uh, I just don't think that Jimbo Fisher was surprised by the events that played out in front of him. So. There's a lot of elements to this. Number one, he said, we've been working on this in practice, okay? Clearly, they had, and I mean, they were so good that they, they had time to rep a lot of stuff in practice that we know they never ended up using. They they call this, and most likely, this is a check, okay? Most field goal fakes and punt fakes are actual checks. You call it, and then you can check out of it, right? Or you can check into it. If you don't get the look you want from the defense, unless you're Alabama and then you inexplicably run a big field goal into a field goal safe defense with your kicker as the lead blocker, Um, which didn't work too well, obviously. Uh, It was interesting that Carlos said, you know, Jimbo would typically do like a little hand wave thing, right? With the fingers kind of in disgust as you go punt. If you're going to call a fake punt, that's exactly what you want to do especially with that down a distance, because you know Florida State is waiting to call this if they need it with the right down distance and game state. And it's not Jimbo who calls the play in. Charles Kelly was the special teams coordinator that year, if I recall. He would be the one calling it in. But I guarantee you on the headset, Jimbo is approving it or not, right? Like they, you know, they, 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 might, they might call it, you know, wing left uh, rocket punt, okay, which is, you know, your formation – you put the rocket tag on there, which is your, your fake call. 
and you know you, you probably have a kill option too to where you where you just punt. Okay, so they get out there. Auburn is probably looking on the sidelines, right? We, we know Auburn was spying on Florida State in that game anyway. There's no reason to think they weren't trying to look at Florida State sidelines to see, you know, kind of any mannerisms or, or pick up on anything like that to see if any kind of fake thing was going on. So if it would be very smart for Jimbo to act normally during that situation and not act all nervous. We talked before the uh, um, before the before we record. You actually saw something in his hand though. Which could have been a tell. Yeah. So I, I'm embarrassed by how much time I've spent in the past uh, 24 hours looking at this. Uh, Jimbo Fisher is is not saying no. He, he, Jimbo Fisher is intently looking at the play, uh, as is Charles Kelly. Jimbo Fisher has his play sheet in his hand, ready to call the next play, uh, and immediately has uh, has Jameis near him and is calling in the next play. Um there is no – we all know Jimbo Fisher is not one to have mild mannerisms when something's going on not in the in the manner that he, he wants it to, and there's no inclination at all of a coach going no, no, no or trying to uh, get out of a punt. I will uh, also say that, like, if you go and you watch the mega cast of this and the coaches uh, who watch this – I think three of the five guys commented about the that there's a decent chance you might see a fake punt here. Uh, it, was just, it was not exactly a surprise to most in the stadium uh, that if Florida State was going to run a, a fake punt, that might be the situation that they would do it. And not only would it be the situation from a down-and-distance standpoint, it would be the situation as far as where you were in the game. Uh, Florida State desperately needed to try to get a little bit of momentum back. Was going to have the ball coming out of the second half. And uh, had had a chance to do uh, what Jimbo Fisher was so fond of, which is score at the end of a half, get the ball back. Basically, you get back-to-back possessions. So if you think about this, if you're Jimbo and you're not going for it, right, you're not faking it, why would you have your head in your offensive play sheet still? Wouldn't you be over on the bench talking to your offense like he did after every single offensive possession? Like, if you think the ball is being punted away, you're probably not standing there watching it. You're trying to use every possible second you can – to figure out what's wrong with the offense, which, by the way, Auburn was stealing their signals. That is what was wrong. We, we, this is like the second time we've gone uh, Zapruder on this, you know, and uh, and really dug into this. The first time was when we figured out that Auburn was picking FSU signals because, hell, Kelvin Benjamin actually said it on the broadcast. Yeah, he said it on the broadcast. Uh, and finally, I I have a, a good friend that's coached for Jimbo Fisher previously. He was not on this staff, but I did call him and get his opinion as to if there was any possible way that anyone would call a fake punt in any game, much less the national championship game, without Jimbo Fisher's like explicit <laughs> explicit uh, instruction to do so. And he basically laughed at me and used language that we can't repeat on the podcast. So uh, this is a nice story. Again, we're not calling Carlos a liar. I, I think what he laid out uh, for the vast majority of it is accurate. And to his credit, he doesn't say that Jimbo Fisher didn't call the play. He said that he thought he didn't intend for the play to be called. Uh, but no, I, I don't think this is some you know unique little twist in Florida State history where an assistant coach uh, called one of the more important plays uh, in a national championship game and the head coach was kind of uh, dumb lucked into it. Final, final point on this, I will read you Charles Kelly's comments from that night. 
Uh, Coach asks every week going into the game what we've worked on during the week and what we like best, said FSU Special Teams Coordinator Charles Kelly. We worked on a few of them, and when the time is right, he decides to call them. You've got to execute. But what a time to call uh, in that game in his own territory, already down 18, said the uh, commentator of the article. Uh, Kelly's comment was, he plays to win. So Charles Kelly is not of the mannerisms, even if he did say as much that I think he would disclose that to the press. But uh, to me, that does not sound like a guy who kind of went rogue and decided to call a fake punt. Let me ask you a question here, and I I completely agree. That's an excellent job by you of actually digging up those quotes, too, for context. Do you think maybe at Florida State called it with instead of, hey, the option to check into it, you had had the kill option, right? So the, the, the option to check out of it. I agree with you. Jimbo is probably saying go, 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 like trying to speed it up, you know, like let's let's get this thing snapped. Is there any chance that Florida State calls it? They actually don't like the look they get. They're trying to say no, 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 right? And the, and yet they still snap it, and Carlos is just fast enough to beat those guys to the edge? Because I don't know that they have a huge numbers advantage. Like maybe somebody in the booth is in Jimbo's ear and saying, hey, no, 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 yeah. no, no. And it's too late, and it still works. Yeah, that that is is possible. I don't I don't see Jimbo. I don't see a Jimbo Fisher mannerisms of any anything like he doesn't uh, he doesn't try to. Florida State has three time called. Excuse me. Florida State has three remaining timeouts at this point. We've only three minutes left in the half. I think if there's anything that Jimbo Fisher doesn't like about this, his first step is not yelling out to the field. I think it's turning to the official who's about eight yards away from him uh, and trying to get a call uh, timeout in. And that does not appear to be the case. Uh, the numbers aren't great when you look at this, but I don't I don't necessarily think that there's any signs of a staff trying to get out of the play. Gotcha. So they have – yeah, it, I don't think the numbers are terrible. You know, like it's not an obvious like, hey, Auburn's totally screwed on the numbers thing. But I, I agree with you. I don't think there's something in the booth. I, I've got it pulled up and, and got it stilled here. From the from the near side of the hash, Florida State has four blockers. The, the snapper is actually right on the hash. Auburn has a guy who's kind of like like a one shade on the on the snapper, and then they have four guys, so they're kind of even up there. Um, a lot, a lot of this is just going to depend on can Carlos make somebody miss. Yeah, somebody actually does come free for Auburn sixty two, right? Somebody's or, there. Or Carlo, Carlos just outruns the angle. Yeah, yeah, eighty two is a defensive end, and and Carlos. I mean, they really don't have a, the, the guy. Actually, does make contact with him, but uh, but Williams had that thing with, with, with that kind of speed. Yeah, so. it's worth noting Carlos for all his frustrations. Carlos Williams one of the more five gifted players physically oh to play at Florida State in the last 15 years or so. I mean, his they're, kickoff they're, return and Vanover's kickoff return. Yeah. Yeah. Like very similar, kind Absolutely. of similar career arcs. Big you know? bodies, long strides, and ridiculously fast. And uh, yeah, there is a, there is a certainly un, unscratched potential on, uh, on both of them. Do you see how quickly Jimbo Fisher ta- is telling the next play to Jameis? Oh, it's a, it's. I mean, He's that, that, play that is the thing that I think like, puts this as whole Carlos thing to bed. Carlos is still high fiving the sideline. Yeah, yeah. That that is the thing that I think we can we can remove any doubt. Uh, is, and the offense is lined up. 
Yeah. <laughs> like Freeman is trying to. <laughs> so, good interview. I appreciate all of you guys who tagged us on uh, on Twitter, and, and that's uh, uh, if you want to go uh, go listen to the rest of it. I think it's twenty five minutes, so I uh, can't say that I've listened to all of it. But uh, if you wish to, we'll uh, certainly make it available for you. Uh, if that is uh, a want. So, a nice little, uh, hey, look, if nothing else, uh, we just got to spend 10 minutes talking about the 2013 National Championship game, which uh, is is not the worst walk down memory lane. No, it's not. Okay, so, hey, if you look at the at the wide angle of this, it actually scans over the benches. I don't see a single offensive starter sitting down. It's, I mean, that that is a... That's a yeah. good tell too. Yeah, that's that's all you need to know is is where the offense is, where Jimbo Fisher's mind is, and how close his quarterback is to him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Clint th- Trickett's not hat whipping anybody. So uh, that's <laughs> Rick, Rick Trickett or Rick Trickett. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Clint's not hat whipping anybody either. But uh, uh, Rick normally pretty quick to lay out some ass whooping uh, on a on a drive that didn't go too well, and that's. Uh, Certainly not the case here. Indeed, he was. Man, they're they're the offense is on the field quick too. After that, they're like, all right, let's go. This is uh, um. All right, you want to get to some uh, some questions? Yeah, we'll get to some questions here. First question comes from Ian. Uh, Ian writes, "Good afternoon, gents. Since Bud is a gambling guy, I have a hypothetical bet for you. Uh, if you had to put money down on this bet, who would you throw it on? A team that finishes the regular season as the highest ranked team." not including bowl game in the state of Florida. The odds are as follows. Florida, even money. Miami, plus 200. UCF, plus 325. FSU, plus 500. Other, plus 1,200. Ooh. Okay. Um, first, let's uh, let's figure out what kind of odds this guy gave us, right? We're going to calculate the uh, uh, the bookmaker margin here. Um, okay, those odds are uh, interesting, actually. Can we pick out a favor here? So, hypothetically, if you had to put your money down on this bet, how would you throw it on? Oh, man. Do you got an opinion on this? I don't, man. You're... you're uh... You have such a better grasp on on gambling in general. I, I generally just defer to you when it comes to the subject. So finishes the regular season as the highest ranked team in the state of Florida. Well, UCF's expected starting quarterback broke his ankle in a non-football activity uh, like two days ago. So I'm guessing that's you know that's kind of knocking down a little bit. Brandon Wimbush is now their starter. Although UCF's win total in Vegas is ten games, Miami is uh, is an interesting bet here. Their schedule is is pretty pretty easy. the The other is just a complete sucker bet. Like I, I would need so much greater odds to take the other because I mean you're, you're talking about what USF or FAU or FIU, Florida State at uh, and Florida at even money is man I. I don't know. Like the thing is, UCF. If they do manage to go ten and two, what do you think Florida's expected to do? Like nine and three? Yeah, most likely. 
So to me, this comes down, and, and if and Miami probably also expected to go nine and three, I would guess, just just given their schedule, which is which is pretty easy. Um, I mean, relative to everybody else, yeah. Miami expected to go nine and three. Florida expected to go nine and three. UCF expected to go uh, ten and two, roughly. Do you think that ten and two UCF will rate higher than Florida or Miami? No, I do not think so. I had to think about it for a second just because they are they have gotten slightly more traction over the past couple of years. But no, a two-loss UCF team is not ranked over a three-loss Miami or, or a Florida team, in my opinion. Okay, so here's another one for you. Let's say that Miami and Florida finish with the same record. Florida is probably going to go ahead of them, right? Assuming that Florida won the uh, the opener and played the schedule they play. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Huh. I man, that plus money is is sticking out to me there. Regular season. I I kind of. Yeah, I was going to say I want to go UCF, but I don't know that I'm getting enough. If you gave me Florida State's odds on UCF, the, the, the plus 500, I would take that. In this case, I, I might take Miami, right? Their, their expected win total is very similar to what Florida is, um, but yet the, the odds are double. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and take Miami here. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I like that, Ian. I appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for sending them in. As always, the Nolcast at gmail.com or Nolcast at gmail.com. We now have both email addresses, uh, thanks to a very helpful listener who was squatting on it from long ago. Yeah, no, uh, very, very kind of that gentleman. Uh, before we get to uh, Vinay's question, want to go ahead and thank our friends at Madison Social. A lot going on here uh, for them. Uh, want to remind everybody, as I am very fond of doing, that uh, – Next Wednesday is the 17th, and the 17th means that it is Reuben Day at Madso. So if you're in Tallahassee, uh, always want to keep that in mind. Uh, also want to remind you of um, the event that we've spoken of, and the event that we have spoken of is the uh, tailgate on the 31st. Uh, Madso has put a time on that, uh, so we have a little bit more uh, finality as to what that event looks like. want to encourage everybody to go to fsujackstailgate.com uh, for more information and tickets. 27,000 square feet of air-conditioned awesomeness. Matt and his team are doing all kinds of fun stuff that uh, they'll continue to uh, to make public uh, for this event. It's going to be fantastic if you're able to attend the Ole Miss tailgate. Uh, these guys certainly know what they're doing. And uh, finally, want to remind people of the French Fry Fest that we talked about last week. And, obviously, and honestly, I went and looked at Instagram, and I looked at some things uh, of their social, and, and I undersold this. Uh, FrenchFryFest.com. That's French, F-R-Y-E, Fest.com. Again, if you're in the Tallahassee area, uh, the fries, some of the dipping sauces they have. Uh, there's a chipotle lime aioli going on that looks absolutely ridiculous. Uh, again, if you're in the area, no better place to uh, or a place or people to hang out with than the For the Table Restaurant Group. And want to uh, remind people of our longtime sponsor and 
a group that's had as much to do with the NOLCast success uh, as anybody out there. So thank you again to Madison Social, and uh, please do keep them in mind with the three things that I previously mentioned. Keywords here. Air conditioning. Go to the tailgate. Air conditioning. It is so hot in Jacksonville. Air conditioning indoors. Noel fans, you're going to enjoy. You can get some drinks, but it's not going to be a crazy drunk fest. We will have exciting bar games inside there as well. Short walk to the stadium. I'll be there. Ingram will be there. It's going to be a great time. This is a no-brainer. Tickets are actually selling really fast. Make sure you get yours. And uh, I think I actually have a 100% sign-up rate so far from everybody on my group text that, that I said, hey, have you guys heard about this? And they're like, yeah, we heard about it on the NOLCast. We've already signed up. Okay. Uh, you have better friends than I do. Mine just want free tickets. So uh, good for you. Uh, Vinay writes, uh, longtime listener, uh, love the show. Being from Maryland, I cannot use Madso or Resolution Home Loans, but we do guzzle down Louisiana hot sauce quite a lot up here to show your support. Thank you, sir. Uh, considering his first question, considering Florida State's financial situation, does it make sense to double down on the Taggart Browse experiment? Why not extend their two contracts by two additional years? Since the team is down in rankings, FSU will be able to get uh, favorable contracts for both coaches. Uh, B, if the team does really well, then renewing the contracts will be really expensive for Florida State. C, if the team is in the dumps in a couple of years, it's not like they're going to have the funds to get a better coaching staff. Additionally, it sends a message to the community that FSU values the work that Taggart and Browse are doing and want them to stay for the longer term. They can put in rewards for winning the ACC, getting to the playoffs, etc., at penalties and fireable conditions uh, if need be. This would be a win-win, in my opinion, for both sides at this point in the process. Okay, so let me look into this greater. FSU favorable contacts for both contracts for both the coaches. Do we agree with this part with the first part of the question here? Um, it's possible. I don't know that you'd be able to get a whole lot of favorable leverage on Bryles, to be honest with you. You might be able to with Taggart, but um, I, I guess that's possible. Not probable. Right. I agree. So I'm a little bit skeptical as far as the first premise. I agree with him. If the team does really well, then renewing the contracts will be really expensive for Florida State. Yes, college football is an expensive game for sure. So, yeah, I, I don't know that that outweighs you know, the potential there on that. If the team is in the dumps in a couple of years, it's not like they're going to have the funds to get a better coaching staff. I, that I probably disagree with, actually. I, I think that's the goal is to um, to have the funds available, whether that, that comes for the need to re-up and, and extend and give Willie a raise or if it's to find somebody else. They want to be in a position to to be able to do either of those things in the coming years, and that's, I think, part of David Coburn's job um, is to get the finances in, in such a situation. And finally, the final point here, uh, sending a message to the FSU community that they value the work Tag and Browse are doing and they want them to stay for the longer term. Uh, you know, they, they, they gave Willie a good contract, not something outrageous. Uh, and Bryles, they gave a, a you know, pretty decent contract. I would certainly uh, not oppose doing this, especially if you didn't have to extend the buyout on Taggart. Um, that may be in the works anyway at some point, right? It's some sort of extension with, without an extended buyout just for recruiting purposes. It might not be a bad idea uh, to do that, and we've seen many schools do that. With Bryles, I, I don't anticipate that Bryles is going to sign a contract for a, a below market rate. Um, you know, if things don't work out here, I think he can easily say probably what Willie would say. And it's like, look, 
Look at my overall track record. Look at the absolute disaster of, of an offensive line that made you know me and, and Coach Clements and, and Willie look like pretty clueless out here on the field, right? Because we just didn't have a single guy who could block at the offensive tackle position. You know, look at my track record. Look at how well I can coach. Uh, that was an anomaly that was largely based on on personnel issues. Uh, so I don't think you're – now, look, Willie is harder to say that because he's been here another year and because he's the head coach. With Bryles, I think it's very easy for Bryles to go ahead and pitch that. He also has his dad's name, which uh, on the field is, is very good, and off the field, well, there's a reason they still haven't made uh, Kendall available to the media at all. Second part of the question is, is there any indication that enrolling early benefits some teams more than others? I was wondering whether teams like Bama and Clemson get more of their recruits to early enroll, get them on the field faster, especially since they are recruiting the tails off the rest of the league. If their five stars are seeing the field earlier than the other teams, they get a double advantage, the high star and the early playing time. Is there any statistical uh, support or negotiation? Excuse me. Is there any statistical support? or negating this hypothesis? Uh, I would say that there is no support for the idea that certain schools develop their early enrollees better. Uh, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me relative to the rate at which they develop their normal enrollees, right? Like I don't think anybody's early enrollee development program is much better than their regular enrollee development program. The schools that are really good at developing kids anyway – are going to see an advantage uh, because they're, they're good at that and getting the kids in for an additional semester is going to be an inherent advantage. But I don't think there's any school that's like, eh, just kind of average at development when the kid enrolls in June, but super great at development when the kid enrolls in January. It, it, does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm just hoping that that's, uh, that's addressing this question accurately. So. Uh, but, yeah, certain schools do get more early enrollees in, and that, that's that's a goal. Um, those prospects are at a premium, right? The guys who are really, really elite talents but also good enough in the classroom to finish up early and they have that focus and drive, uh, you're not going to see that reflected in a star rating, but it, it certainly helps. And, uh, and Florida State needs more of those kids. Uh, short question here from Tom. He writes, if you are Willie Taggart and could have one do-over from 2018, what would it be and why? Ooh, Okay. This is a good question, man. Yeah. Like I'll let you short, answer uh, 2018. I wonder if his do-over ended in 2017. A certain hire, potentially? A certain hire, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I know where you're going with that. So so I, I had three in mind. I had a hire, which I think you're going to say. I had a statement or two that I think he would like to take back if he could. But, but I'm going to go with a strategy, right? And this is one of the things that I've criticized him for the most. And I'm very big on on not criticizing guys using hindsight, you know? And and, and I like to criticize somebody for, for doing what they did, given the information they either had or should have had at the time. And I do think that staying on those A-level targets after the Syracuse loss and not moving more quickly to, to like, you know, B and C-level targets uh, was a, a major mistake that Willie made. And that I guarantee, I can't guarantee you that I think he would probably do a little bit differently with the benefit of hindsight, right? Go on, get some of those like B and C level recruits. You don't have to sign so many kids who are kind of that, you know, D level issue, like your fourth and fifth choice at a position. Um, 
who really don't project to ever play here or, or, or not to play well here. So that would, that would be mine. Um, I think that would help him the most in the long term if he could go back and do that. But they, they, they didn't. They stuck on their A-level targets too long. They whiffed, and then their, they, their pivot to their backup plans uh, was not available, so they had to go to like the backup to the backup to the backup in some cases. Yeah, one one other I'll add, and and if we're doing a podcast in ten years where we're really looking back and dissecting the Taggart era, where it went right or where it maybe didn't go wrong, uh, I think the idea of uh, of deciding to ride or die with DeAndre Francois is one that will be looked at and and uh, and examined thoroughly. Uh, it just he's, he he was the uh, the more prepared quarterback of the two. Not uh, doubting that at all, but it it didn't exactly coincide with a lot of the messaging that you were putting into the program. And I think it probably uh, put a little bit of a governor on some of the culture change that you talked about and leadership and accountability issues. I totally agree with that. Uh, so your, your 2017 decision, sir. Um, <laughs> yeah, certain coaching hires, uh, some of which have left, uh, some of which still remain on the staff to this day. Uh, I think there were, Guys that he thought he was going to be able to bring from Oregon that he wasn't, uh, that I would at this point love to sit down and have a beer or whatever the cocktail of Willie's choice and see if he wouldn't be kind of honest with me as to where he went and if he could uh, do that again. And and I also think that, uh, (laughs) yeah, I I think a lot of the coaches that he hired, I think if he had to do again, that of the – uh, nine guys that he surrounded himself immediately with that he he might go he might bet fifty fifty uh, if he had a chance to go back and and put his first staff together. So specifically with with Walt Bell, right? The, the, that's the one that had the, the greatest impact, I think. I, I thought about that for my answer really hard when I saw this question because I usually go over these before. It's very clear in hindsight because I, I played golf yesterday. Um, with somebody who's a big time Noel, and they're asking me like, you know, why do you think this team might be better? And I said, look, I, I don't know that Randy Clements is like that much better of an offensive line coach than than Greg Fry was. I, I do know though that last year Willie was having to sort of teach the finer points of his offense to Walt Bell, right, and to Fry, uh, and and have that thing all all coalesce and 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 work, and and it just it didn't. This year, one of the primary reasons why I think the team will be improved is offensive cohesiveness. Now, should he have known that Walt Bell would not be capable of executing the offense in the style that Willie wanted it to, to, to run? I don't know. I, this is, again, one of those things like, is there something we missed at the time of Walt Bell's hiring? I, I don't know that there is. I think we did a decent job of documenting, hey, he's got a lot of things here that are promising in terms of who he's worked with. He's also had some really bad quarterback injury luck, which have stunted some of his sample set. You know, clearly he knows how to run a, an up-tempo offense. He's never run Willie's exact offense like this or, or the Brile system. There's not a whole lot of guys out there that run the Brile system, so it's it's hard to get those. Clearly Florida State was not going to hire Kendall Brile's in year one. Some people think they probably should have. Uh, but it's very clear in hindsight that it did not work out. So if Willie's getting to make this decision with the benefit of hindsight – yeah, he's going to hire a different offensive coordinator because because Bell and Fry did not mesh. You know, like there's a reason Willie was down there coaching the offensive lineman and and really having to do a whole lot and running around like his you know um, 
like his hair was on fire, like like Jimbo did in the early days, right? When when it, when it looked like Jimbo didn't trust any of his assistants to actually do any coaching. I, yeah, did I it mean, look like that? Now the thing is, he tried to keep it together on the sideline some, as far as the not showing a whole lot of emotion, but in practice, yeah. Oh yeah. no 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 no! no yeah. I was just making a joke. It didn't just look like that. Jimbo Jim, Jimbo didn't trust anybody, and it wasn't just an appearance. It was uh, it was the absolute case. And and I think uh, the the book's still out on Harlan Burnett. I think uh, that there's a, a chance that he ultimately has a successful tenure here. But I I really wonder if Taggart had to do it all over again uh, if he would not go in a different direction for both of his coordinators. So uh, yeah. All right. Uh, good question, Tom. Did you have a, did you have a third runner up on this by the way? Because I, I had a third one. Uh, well, I had I had the coaching and and uh, Francois. I didn't have an immediate third one. No. Okay, gotcha. So, so you you had coaching Francois. My other one here is the turds comment. Man, I know for a fact people told Willie who the bad kids on this team were. I know the people who told him. I also know that I knew, and the listeners knew, and you knew, and Willie knew, that he couldn't just boot those kids due to the APR issues. And he had to be on his hands and knees praying that they would graduate so the FSU's APR would not go so low that they would get a bowl ban. Although in hindsight, if that had happened, I mean, it might have even been better because, you know, it would be like, all right, hey, this is truly what I'm taking over. <laughs> and, and nobody would really care about missing a bowl because, you know, uh, it was already already written. Um written as, 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 a, as a ruling. That, I think he probably should have, and we said this at the time, and that, that's kind of why I picked these. It's like, these are things we first guessed on. You know, man, don't say, don't say that. Just say, hey, I've heard a lot of negative things about some of our players. So far, most of them have done what I've asked of them. That's a small, you know, that's a small sample set. I'm all about consistency. We'll see who is still around after the first year of us installing our culture. We hope everybody's around. Everybody will have a chance to be around. We'll see who truly makes it through and who really wants to commit to being a winning program and a winner in the classroom. Boom. That's right. Right there. That'll, that'll be $10,000 consulting fee. <laughs> you're you're uh, having dated someone in the consulting arena for two and a half, three years. I'd, I'd say that you're more than qualified at this point, but so uh, – uh, have fun with that. A lot of lot of nice invoices to write to people. Uh, Aaron writes, Hey, Bud and Ingram, as I was enjoying some empanadas with Louisiana hot sauce, looking forward to the next Nolcast, I got to thinking about negativity that surrounds Florida State at the time. Lots of articles and discussions about the worst seasons in 40 years, whose fault is it or isn't. Rebuild uh, the timetable of the rebuild, but there seems to be a deeper core issue. My question do you think that much of our negative cloud stems from the underlying mistrust or at least lack of confidence in the Florida State administration? If you look at it objectively, there have been way too many missteps by the administration in the last 10 years to elicit much confidence going forward. From the never requested logo uniform debacle, to the university club, to the poor home game scheduling, to overzealous spending, to the very recent perceived sham of a baseball hiring process. It all happened under the watch and responsibility of Florida State's administration. In short, why should we trust that the administration uh, is for once in front of the issues and will ultimately get it right? 
Well, that's a really good question. Um, but I don't know that I agree with, the, with, the, with all the premise on this, right? Number one, I don't know that the fans actually really think deeply enough about this on average to associate this stuff with the administration, even though some issues are certainly as a result of the administration, right? I don't think most fans think that the baseball hiring process was a sham at all, right? And, and I think the people who perceive that are an extremely small sliver of FSU's overall fan base and, and a slightly larger sliver of the fan base that compromised the, the baseball fans, which there's just not that many of them, right? The uniform thing, sure, some people don't like that, but I don't know that FSU's fans associate that in total with the administration. I think most of them just blame Nike, which is probably where a lot of the blame should lie, although Florida State certainly could have done a better job handling uh, some of that. And continually here, they should have requested you know, to not have the, uh, the, the, the gold numbers to look like Boston College. Um, or do you do you remember? I'm sure you do, but do you remember what Florida State looked like when they played that game at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Excuse me. I so, somebody should have been fired mask? for you know, everything. The helmets looked like they were. I mean, it just didn't. It didn't look like Florida State, and I don't mean because the spears were slightly longer on the helmets or whatever. No, I mean it looked. It just it looked absurd and the purple face mask and everything else uh the logo i i think ultimately was a good good move i know that will will uh, make some people frustrated but it's a a little bit of a cleaner thing it's easier to put on material and make money off of and there's a lot more consistency to it uh the uniform i have a major problem with i've said that from day one i i don't understand it i don't know why uh florida state went away from one of the few real things that are absolutely iconic about this football program and institution that you know for a 70 year old institution it's hard to have a ton of things but to me the the jerseys the the, uh yes the shades of garnet um change slightly over the course of uh 2025 years you can look at the way that work done looked versus peter work versus uh, Anquan Bolden or whatever you want to look at and you can see some of the the changes in the uniform but on the whole there was a large amount of consistency there uh that i have no idea why florida state went away from and uh but um i I, it's not that i don't disagree with you but i i do think that there's a a lot of things out there that yes do resonate with maybe smaller pools of the fan base than uh some generally realize but uh also some things that uh, don't really make sense out of the administration historically. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he's referring to, to the university club. Uh, what is that? I'm but? guessing he's talking about the Champions Club thing, but but I'm not sure. That, I mean, aesthetically, I've, I've been a vocal, uh, very critical of that, but from a financial standpoint, the Champions Club has been a major success. Uh, un, no real debate about that. Uh, so I, I, I think that that's... They didn't execute it perfectly, there's still some things that they can do there, but in the in the world of uh, you know any any time you go to Costco or Best Buy or whatever, look at the TVs that you can buy for five hundred dollars, and you'll realize why University Club or Champions uh, Champions Lounge has to exist to to have a chance to get a lot of the people to the stadium. It's just an evolving world. Did they hit a ten on it? No, 
but all in all, the the Champions Club is a success and has been a uh, definitely a success when it comes to the uh, the checking account. No doubt about that. All right, Ingram, let's take a quick break here from all these great questions to tell you about a great company, Resolution Home Loans. When you call 844-FSU-LOAN or you visit FSUHomeLoans.com, you're going to be hooked up with Shannon Young. He's the best loan guy in the business, I should know. He did my home loan. Really like it. Awesome terms. Great communication. He'll walk you through the process. He'll give you exactly how much instruction and advice you need throughout I think we have, what, 23 NOLCAST listeners have, have already had a mortgage done through resolution? I've been, been emailing these T-shirts out like it's my second job. They're just constantly to the post office. You know, they, they make me want to get like a Stamps.com sponsorship or something now. As many T-shirts I'm sending out to all these new homeowners, congratulations on that. By the way, give Shannon a call. By the way, thank you very much, Chad, for believing in us. At first, we weren't sure if we could sell mortgages through a podcast, and we have. Look forward to continuing our, our relationship with them. 844-FSU-LOAN or visit FSUHomeLoans.com. Finally, one last thing here, because um, we're, we're already over an hour, so we're going to have to cut some of this off. I want to share a story about the boosters. Obviously, we had a uh, we had a uh, an episode about the boosters, and a lot of people are like, hey, I really want to appreciate you know, and, and, and let you know how much I, I uh, appreciate the episode, and, and I've actually signed up for the boosters because of y'all and uh, there really wasn't the point of the episode, but you know certainly if that's what you're moved to do, uh, that that's awesome. And my, my contention was always, hey, if you spend this much time caring about Florida State, if you listen to all of our shows and all that stuff, you consume you know websites, you read Tom Hawk Nation, then yeah, you should probably be a booster. I mean, that's a whole lot of, of your your uh, time capital you spend on this team, and you should you should join. But I had a friend of mine today. He he texted me. He said, hey. Uh, you know anybody else having this issue, right? And I was like, well, no, I don't. And, and here's what happened. And, and I, I know him and I trust him. And I've known the guy for um, about half my life now. He said, so, you know, I'm like a 10-year season ticket holder. I went to go pick out my parking pass for this year at the website link that they sent me. And uh, I picked it out. And then two months later, they come back and they tell me, hey, there was a glitch in the website. You should not have been able to pick out that uh, parking permit, right? And he's like, oh. And they're like, so uh, you have to go pick a new one, right? And this is two months later. And to no one's surprise, uh, the ones that they had to offer, like the the decent ones that are within his donation range, uh, were already picked over. And so the only ones that were actually within his donation range were one that was way up by uh, one of the halls uh, by Tennessee Street or the parking garage, like inside the parking garage, which is not a great place to tailgate. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and they said, or you know, so either do that or you can drop down to, to one that's even like below your donation level or get a refund uh, or you can pay the difference uh, to whatever it was and, uh, and do that. And he's like, well, I really, you know, would just like to sit or to, to tailgate in the lot that, that I, you know, that I want to tailgate in, um, which is the one I, I asked you about. And that's now been unavailable because you waited two months to tell me that you had a computer system glitch. Right. Uh, and so he took the refund option and they lost a 10 year season ticket holder over this. And he's like, look, I live in DC, man. I got to fly down for these games, you know, and it's not even going to be that good of a year anyway. 
So my question is, have other people out there encountered this issue? I, I, like he wanted to know, and I kind of, well, I'm curious now too, is this a singular issue that, that he had or is this, is this a larger issue that they have with other customers? There is a, the, <laughs> so the boosters on the whole are a good thing for, for the program and have the best of intentions. Uh, I will say that there is a common thread of very real customer service issues uh, that, that come up with people that I talk to. And, Hey, look, anytime you interact or give money to a thing, uh, you know, being, being frustrated with a customer service is, is fairly easy to do. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, anytime you're in that situation, you're going to alienate some people to an extent. But to the level that I hear it, I, I would challenge the boosters to have a pretty deep dive at some of the, the things they do uh, tied to their own customer service and the way that they, they treat those that are, uh, you know, the people that provide the funds that make the booster club possible. This is not, and that's the first story that I've heard about that particular issue. Uh, it's certainly not the first story of uh, an organization kind of going out of its way to alienate those that uh, that they're trying their best to solicit money from. Yeah, and look, I, I, I have no idea if it's just an isolated incident, you know, um, but I I do trust the guy, you know, and, uh, and, and he showed me the letter that they sent him and, and the original email too. So I, I did verify the, the date as to when the, the contact was made um, via, via reviewing those. So, just curious, you know. I, I agree. I think overall they're they're doing a better job, and there's still certainly a lot a lot of room for improvement as our as our email inbox. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely shows. Definitely, I, I would I would tell people real quickly just to almost treat the boosters like a political candidate, and uh, and that you ultimately you support the candidate like the little snot-nosed 22-year-old that I was at one point in my life, like the assistant deputy finance director, is probably an inept uh, guy who's going to rub you the wrong way. Uh, ultimately, you don't stop supporting a political candidate because the you know, the 22-year-old intern uh, didn't uh, handle the phone call correctly. Uh, and I'm, and I, I, I'm not trying to alienate people or your friend or anything else. The stories that I've heard are, are very real. Uh, my challenge would just be for some people uh, to try to look past that and see a bigger picture. But at the same time, uh, what I said about Florida State's booster group and really uh, having a self-examination of their customer service, I think, is a is a legitimate theme based off the feedback that we've got. Um, Rustin jumps to the top of the list because uh got a soft spot in my heart for anybody that's been listening to us since the talk shoot days. Uh, recorded live, by the way. Uh, Rustin writes, awesome show. I've been listening since the talk shoot days. I've never missed an episode. Well, that's impressive, Rustin. Uh, Ingram, in an episode before the pit game, I believe that you asked Bud what the team would have to score for him to believe that they would be special. I remember Bud said 40 and said he believed the 2013 team would be good but wouldn't score 40 on pit. The episode after the game, Bud said that he would stick by his comments and that he thought the team could be special. I was wondering, what do y'all think <laughs> we would have to score on Boise State to believe that we would be, quote, special? Uh, special in this case is not winning the national title, but rather maybe having the possibility of reaching nine or even ten wins. Congratulations on the little man, Bud. Okay, so I actually remember exactly where I was when we recorded that episode, too. 
Because back then we didn't use microphones. We we used our phones. Yeah. Who would have guessed that? by that awesome audio <laughs> quality we pushed out all the time? Yeah, and I, I would pay. I, I would actually. I, I pace a lot when I talk. Oh, um, you're talking to, to. Yeah, you're talking to a person who people are literally like, stop walking around. Stop. Yeah. A, a, exactly. Uh, it sounds like um, two of us, two of a kind. And we were talking. I was like, hey man, if they're actually as good as what we're hearing out of practice, you know, like OMG. Because we knew the defense had a lot of defensive talent if they could come together, and Jameis was lighting them up to some extent. And all Coker was actually doing, doing an even better job for those couple weeks. And we were like, if they go score 40, then we're really going to believe. And they did it. So what number would make us believe this team could be special and go nine or ten wins? And I think that he means it's got to be in the regular season, right? Like, like we're not talking, we're not talking nine and four, or ten and three. We're talking nine and three, ten and two. I think. Okay, so I would need to see them beat Boise by like, uh, what, 17? I would would almost, uh, I hate to sound like this, I'd almost have to see a a nice scoreline from Boise State and then follow it up in two weeks and beat Virginia uh, as well before I really thought that you could look at having a 10-win team. Um, for the Boise game alone, 17 points, 17-point uh, victory. Yeah, that would start start kind of the dream. But uh, such, such a level of inconsistency perhaps has uh, been around this program recently, not exclusive to Taggart by any means. Uh, that I would I would almost want to see them go out and get a, a decent road victory in, in conference before I really started to, to dream the dream of 10 wins. All right, so check this out. I've, I've run my little math on this, and I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. The inconsistency has been maddening and not completely unexpected in, in some regards. But we've also had a little bit of a ceiling issue last year with this offense, right? Like at no point did it really look incredible and maybe a little – little fits and starts against Miami and maybe a couple others. But if they go out there, and I have to have a higher number here because they play at a much more aggressive pace. They have more possessions. If they score 42 against Boise and they win like 42-23 or something like that, then I'm going to be pretty confident they're going to win nine or ten games in the regular season. Because to me, it it will evidence an ability – to do that more times, not every time, but just it will it will make me think. Okay, the ceiling for this offense is higher. So forty two, I think, I think is my number that would make me think. All right, they they can go nine and three or ten and two. Yeah, um, we'll probably have to call it there. Look, the questions tonight have been fantastic, and there's another. I don't know, 12 or 13 questions that we could have gotten to. So I uh, just want to thank you all for, for the emails. We we read them all. Uh, sometimes Bud and I even accidentally respond to both of them, or, or both of us will respond to a question, uh, which is funny. Uh, but um, 
keep sending them. We'll do our best to get to them. Uh, just want to thank all of you for uh, your continued support. Uh, anytime you feel comfortable giving us a ranking on iTunes, it's silly how important it is, uh, but it, it does go a long way in allowing us to uh, continue to bring you the product uh, that is the Nolcast and hopefully make some of the uh, improvements that we've done over the years to continue to make it a, a better end product. So for Bud and I, thank you as always. Uh, we'll look forward to talking to you the next week or so. And uh, until then, this has been the latest episode of the Nolcast.